Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It's time to play the game. It may be the nighttime, but the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local, and not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud noises! Telling it like it is. You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And pretty much always right. Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text to call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting. Live from the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome into Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out in the Kia Studios with you here on this Friday evening. With you for the full four. We ask you to download the Odyssey app. You're not in the car as much. Put the Odyssey app on one of your devices today. Take the smartphone, the Alexa speakers, your tablet, your Coleco, your Casio watch, your Palm Pilot, whatever your device is, just download it on something to be able to catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Best way to be a part of the show, follow us on our personal Twitter pages. I am at JMCH316. That is your water cooler talking points three to six months in advance of anybody else that is out there. Producing the show on the other side of the glass, Dylan is here for another night at underscore Dylan Matthews. Dylan. That's it? Just the one? Yeah. Just the one, you know. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta switch it up every once in a while. Yeah, I, I was just expecting a bigger, a bigger, more full-throated entry into a Friday night. So I decided to keep it humble. Okay, so you know we, um, uh, we said like the last time we were on a Thursday show was like before football season. I think the last time we were on a Friday show was before high school uh, football season. So good to be back uh, in the saddle here with everything. Uh, lots to get into. Um, you know, as Jim Ross says, Bizerna fruit merchant, but uh, obviously we have our new defensive coordinator now for the Atlanta Falcons, and it's Ryan Nielsen who comes over from the New Orleans Saints. Uh, He's been with the Saints since 2017. He has always been their defensive line coach. He has been the co-defensive coordinator this past season, and then he was co-assistant coach uh, uh, 2021. So he's never been an actual just on his own D.C. Now he's coached some good guys in New Orleans, right? The Cam Jordans, you know, uh, what, Trey Hendrickson and guys like that. Like he's had some good players there on that defensive line over the last handful of years. I mean, certainly one of the strengths has been for the New Orleans Saints, their defensive line play. So, you know, you would think that, He's going to bulk up and bolster up his line. Uh, I already saw reports that, you know, uh, the Falcons are going to pursue Marcus Davenport, uh, Marcus Davenport because of his New Orleans ties. All right, whatever. Uh, you know, again, it's well, – we'll see. Uh, I'm I'm not disappointed. Well, I, I will say I, I wanted somebody else. I, I would have preferred a Steve Wilkes, a Todd Bowles, and especially Vic Fangio, you know, I want somebody who's aggressive and and I know kind of their style and what they're going to do. 
But, uh, you know, he's certainly coached some good guys in his time for the New Orleans Saints, and he's been there for a while, so he knows the strengths and weaknesses of this franchise. He certainly knows the strengths and weaknesses of the other NFC South teams. So, uh, you know, look, I guess, um, you know, you, you get guys that are familiar with your team, your division, things like that, but, you know, maybe I was just kind of hoping for uh, maybe a little bit more dynamic hire. But, you know, certainly they had to get somebody in place here pretty quickly because, you know, we start the Senior Bowl next week, um, the Shrine Bowl, which is out in Vegas. You know, we've got coaches that are going around everywhere to be a part of this thing. And the other uh, aspect of this, too, is the Falcons basically cleaned house on the other members of their defensive staff. So, they got rid of their uh, defensive backs coach, their defensive line coach, and somebody else. So they kind of cleaned house. When when Nielsen came in, he just kind of wiped everybody out. And you know, Arthur's gonna you know let those guys you know let you know probably him and uh, him and Ryan Nielsen are probably gonna sit down and they're gonna put together their own staff. So you know, we'll see how it goes. I'm open minded. You know, I'm I'm open minded to what this defense could be. Um, we got a sacked quarterback. I mean, I've, I've told you for years and years and years, you're not going to turn this defense around. I, we can, we could talk about, oh, they got to stop there. Oh, I got to stop. Defense isn't going to turn around until you start putting the quarterback on the ground on a regular basis. In the NFL, the NFL game isn't really difficult. In the NFL, if you can't sack the quarterback, you won't be a good defense. I don't care if you're first in the run, first in the back. You, you won't do the things that are necessary for a defense in the NFL. If you're not a 40-sack team, then you're on the outside looking in. That's just how the league is. I can give you 50,000 examples. We can, be here till, we can be here till 11 o'clock breaking all of this down. But the thing you have to do first and foremost in the NFL is sack the quarterback. And I don't care if you get... Five guys with eight sacks, two guys with 20 sacks, 10 guys with four sacks. You better have 40 sacks up at the end of the year. And, and you better, you know, be able to wreak havoc on quarterbacks across the league, whether they're mobile, whether they're immobile, whatever. Can't wreak havoc on quarterbacks. You, you can't get yourself into, you know, that, that next step of defensive teams, that, that next group, whatever, top tens or whatever it's going to be. So we'll see. Um, we'll let you kind of react to, to all of that. We will talk to our friend of the show, Tori McElhaney. So uh, good timing on everything as we uh, we get into some Falcons offseason, and um, we will get her uh, coming up at uh, 740. Uh, a couple other things going on here. Um, Hawks Clippers tomorrow night. Here's the good news. Nobody is on the injury report. Let me repeat that. For, for one of the only probably five, six times that I've been able to do it this year. Nobody is on the injury report. So your full strength, healthy as could be, you're at uh, State Farm Arena tomorrow night, and then it gets interesting because come Monday, the Hawks are in Portland, then Phoenix, then Utah, then Denver, then New Orleans. So they've got this five-game road streak where it's, you know, 
not only on the West Coast, but, you know, you're in Utah and Denver and New Orleans. Um, you've got a five-game, you know, Western Conference trip to put underneath your belt. And then you come home and it's Phoenix, it's uh, San Antonio at Charlotte, you know, New York, Cleveland, Brooklyn, Washington. You know, it, uh, you know it, it, it's not a matter of it getting a lot easier, but, you know, it certainly kind of lightens up from, you know, being on the West Coast and taking on all those Western Conference teams, you know, back-to-back. But next week, you know, they play Monday the 30th in Portland, and then their final night will be the following Tuesday, February 7th. And all of the action will be right here on 92.9 The Game. So, um, you know, we'll be in we'll be in and out. You know, like Monday, we're, we're on until, uh, I believe, like 9.30 uh, is when pregame starts. So we'll have some short shows, you know, coming up here and, and mix it all in before uh, Hawks basketball gets cranked up. But, um, you know, from Monday through Tuesday of next week, they're, they're going to be on the road. And, you know, it'll be an interesting five-game stretch. And again, you have to look at the NBA schedule in little blips and bloops and chunks and chips and choops and, you know, all those kinds of things. You can't really look at it from 35,000 foot the whole 82 games. You have to break it down into just little segments and stuff like that and little little chunks, you know. Some chunks are bigger than others and things, but you kind of break it down into some chunks. But good news is, you know, when they take on the Clippers tomorrow night at State Farm, Nobody is on the injury report, and, you know, I we're certainly not going to get into must-win mode, you know, here right now, but you got to take care of home court advantage, and you have to accumulate some wins. You know, it, it's it's that simple. You have to accumulate some wins. You know, your game above 500, okay, you know, I mean, it's not the end of the world, but you got to accumulate some wins, and, you know, listen – the Hawks, you know, over the last couple of years have had their struggles, you know, when when they uh, go on these road trips. Um, you know, last year was a disaster when the early part of the schedule, and it didn't do them any favors, but, you know, when they had kind of these same teams, Phoenix, Utah, Denver, and all that, I think it was 0-5 that they were that they went on the road on that kind of road trip, um, you know, before they started playing some of the California teams. But, you know, that Portland, Phoenix, Utah, Denver kind of run – I think it was 0-5 that they started out last year. So let's hope for some uh, for some better results out there, but certainly getting ready to go out on the road. Uh, everybody looks like they're healthy and ready to go. So we'll see what, uh, what happens uh, with all of that. Um, coming up tomorrow as well, right here on the home of all things Atlanta United, uh, they've got a friendly coming up in Chattanooga. So here's what our coverage looks like. 2.30 tomorrow will be pregame, and then it'll be a 3 o'clock kick. And, of course, our coverage starts back up with Atlanta United. Jason Longshore and uh, Mike uh, Mike Connie will have the uh, action and the call for uh, all of that. And I think, actually, uh, Freaky is on the Hawks game tomorrow. I think Freaky's doing the, uh, I think Freaky's doing the pregame for the Hawks. John the Freaky? Yeah, him. I think he's actually doing the pregame for the Hawks. So. John Freaky? Yeah, him. Freaky Deaky. Freaky Leaky. So, John Freaky? Yeah, him. So I believe that he is doing it uh, tomorrow. So um, that will be fun. <laughs> always, always an adventure. But anyway, so uh, what else? We got uh, Brian Snitker signed up through 2025. No real surprise here. 
You know, he signed up through the 2025 season. Um, you know, uh, baseball baseball managers don't really report their salaries. Like, we don't usually really know the salaries of baseball managers. We know NFL head coaches, college head coaches, um, you know, NBA coaches. But for whatever reason, baseball managers, you know, is a little bit different entity. And, you know, we don't really get details of how much money some of those guys make. Uh, I'm sure Brian Sicker's done pretty well the last couple few seasons here as they uh, are a World Series champion. And, you know, certainly when that kind of thing happens, uh, everybody benefits to it. And, you know, we're not uh, – I mean, literally, next week is February. So don't blink. It's February of next week. And then we'll be through February in the blink of an eye. And I believe that it's maybe about three weeks away – uh, that pitchers and catchers are going to report. So before you know it, we'll be into baseball season. I mean, it'll be it'll be here right around the corner. So you know, when we get our fix of you know getting through all the NFL and the Super Bowl and all those good kinds of things, and then we'll get uh, you know the Senior Bowl in you know next week, Combine you know will happen and all that stuff, and then we'll get into free agency. So man, it'll be a fun free agency for the Falcons. Uh, I'm. I'm very curious to see what the Falcons do. All right, here's what we got going on. 404-741-0929. That is our phone line to get in on this conversation. I'm asking the question, if Ritter's the number one player that has to step up next year, who's number two? I've got my answer. We'll get yours, and you can call in at 404 741 0929. Put Dylan to work. Chuck Green, Nikia Studios, Sports Radio 92 on the game, the Odyssey.com app. Attention, adoring fans. Back to more John Chuckery. Hey, folks, how you doing? Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Sports Radio 92.9, the game back with you. John Chuckery Show live in the Kia Studios on this Friday evening with you. 404-741-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond Text line to be a part of the show. It's also our phone line. We're asking you a question here. Um, if Desmond Ritter's the number one player that has to step up next year, who's number two? We'll talk about that here in just a second. Odyssey apps where you uh, catch us on the go. Social media is at 929thegame on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. He is at underscore Dylan Matthews. I'm at JMCH316. We will talk to our friend of the show, Tori McElhaney, coming up here in about 20 minutes from right now. And um, uh, we will do a rank them later on as it is a Friday evening with you here. So, you know, look, I think we all assume that for this team to be successful, because I don't think they're going to be in the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes. And I don't, again, I will keep saying that I don't think Lamar Jackson is going anywhere. So if you're not in that sweepstakes, and, and I, I do have some thoughts about quarterback when we get into the flyover. But, you know, if you're rolling with Desmond Ritter, he's got to certainly take that step up from year one to year two. And he'll most likely get his opportunity and his shot to, to be the starting quarterback. Now, I want some competition for Desmond Ritter, but if Desmond Ritter is the number one guy who's got to step up for the Atlanta Falcons for them to be successful, 
who's number two. Well, I agree with Pro Football Focus that they have Arnold Ebicady. And, you know, obviously Ebicady was the 38th overall pick, second-round player. Here's what Pro Football Focus says about Ebicady. Atlanta's offensive players have already broken out, or we at least know what they're capable of with a real quarterback. But the defense is lacking players, obviously primed for future success. Ebicady managed 28 pressures across 303 pass-rushing snaps in his rookie season, and he tallied 14 defensive stops on the year. His best game came in his first and only start, and edge rusher is a position that can have a transition period. There's not much data that says he's a likely breakout, but Ebicady's a talented draft prospect, so it's certainly plausible. I think Ebicady is the guy that's got to take that big step forward. You know, look, he had two and a half sacks on the season. He didn't, I think he only had the one start this year. He certainly played a lot, but he certainly didn't play the amount of snaps that we'd have liked to seen. And one of the things that frustrated me down the stretch is Ogundeji starting for so long. You know, it wasn't just Desmond Ritter that, you know, should have maybe started earlier. Arnold Evacati should have been starting for maybe the back half of, of his rookie season. You know, with all due respect to Ogundeji, he doesn't bring you a whole lot. He can, he certainly doesn't sack the quarterback. He doesn't even touch the quarterback by and large. I think he only had one quarterback hit besides the sack that he had last year. It's not like he's this dominant defensive end that stops the run and everything like that. He's a very meh kind of player. They should have been starting Ebicady a lot sooner in the season. But, you know, look, Dean Pease is a guy who traditionally is not starting a whole bunch of his rookies, right? He didn't start Richie Grant in his rookie season, and he wasn't probably going to start Ebicady. You know, he'll give him a decent amount of snaps. But here's the thing about Ebicady is that eventually you have to hit on one of these guys. And I think part of the, the, the idea is who's going to stand on the other side of Arnold Ebicady? Now, look, I would be for Lorenzo Carter, but in a lim- more limited role and as a rotational guy. You know, I think Ebicady needs somebody who is a pretty good edge player to stand across from. And while two and a half sacks you know, okay, that's, you know, pretty mediocre. I definitely think that he's got room to improve. But if he can't be a competent guy that gets after the quarterback, and we've seen some things that he can do. We, we've seen some of the, the moves and stuff like that. You know, you saw that spin move. You know, I mean, there's some things that he can do to get after the quarterback. And, you know, as the season went along, He was getting a little bit better at that. His pressure rate and things like that went up. But he's got to have that breakout year because the number one thing we have to fix is what this defensive line is. There's no bones about it, and it it starts with sacking the quarterback. And, again, I don't care what the numbers are and things like that, but I have to have a rotation of guys that can be very productive players. So we're asking at 404-741-0929, if Ritter is number one, who's number two? Let's take your phone calls. Let's get to George out in the Hampton. What's going on, George? 
Hey, what's going on, Church? First hey, of buddy. all, uh, it's so good to, good to hear from you. The radio's just not the same without you, bro. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Appreciate that, man. <laughs> yeah, really. And, and first of all, I'm a Giants fan, but I live here in Atlanta. Uh, the, really, the Falcons, I think, have about three really key areas they need to focus on. So either one of those areas they, they choose is good. But, yeah, I think the defense as a whole, like you said, I don't think the guys on this team yet that need to step up because I don't think they have the guy to – to partner with the Grady Jarrett so that you could truly see what he could do and truly set up things that he could do. So I think between that or the safeties or something like that, but I think, yes, defensive line, but I really don't think the guy's on the team yet. But well, great to hear from you, man. Great, yeah, great to hear you back. Appreciate it, brother. Um, look, I will say this, though. If Taquan Graham can have the jump that he had from year one to year two, if he can have that same jump from year two to year three now, then that's not a bad running mate for Grady Jarrett. Because Taquan Graham definitely did some good things this year, and and he was a part of you know some of their success along the defensive line for what amount it was or what limitations that it had or anything like that. But certainly he certainly he looked like part of the answer last year. And if he can have that same jump in production, <coughs> excuse me, from year two to year three, then maybe we have something. But we have to be able to set the edge. We have to cause havoc coming around the outside of our pass rush. And right now, I mean, truthfully, we don't have a guy on this roster that can do that. Like, there is no guy. We're hoping it's Ebicady. They they spent, you know, some decent draft capital on him. He was the 38th pick of the draft, and and maybe, you know, again, year one to year two, you know, maybe we see saw maybe we see some of those jumps that, um, you know, Jalen Hawkins made, Richie Grant made, you know, when they got to their second year. But I think Arnold Ebicady is the guy that you have to get production out of. And, you know, look, I'll quantify it. He's got to be a seven or eight sack guy. Or we're, we're back into that, you know, no man's land of guys who were three or four sack guys. You know, the Dante Fowlers of the world and people like that. Although the two and a half sacks is 14 more than what Stephen Means had. But anyway, that's a, another conversation for another day. Let's grab Brian out in Covington. What's going on, Brian? Hey, good to hear you back. Oh, man. Appreciate it, brother. Uh, I do agree with Katie. I think who needs to show the most improvement is our new uh, defensive coordinator. I was really looking for a little bit more splash on that one. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I'm 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 in a wait and see mode because Ryan Nielsen has coached some really good defensive linemen. You know, Cam Jordan and uh, Hendrickson, like he's coached some guys that are pretty good on the defensive line and guys that can be double-digit sack guys. I'm hopeful, but I agree. I was hoping for more of a splashy hire with everything. I was I was hoping for a Vic Fangio or a Steve Wilkes or even a Brian Flores. Like, I was hoping for somebody, you know, who was a little bit more established, not a guy who's coming in as a first-time D.C. Because, look, we don't know if his system works. I know he coached good players, but we don't know what kind of system that he runs because he's never been a D.C. And, and look, 
when when somebody says like, well, he was co-defensive coordinator last year. Okay, I was the co-defensive coordinator along with Dean Pease. I mean, I could put any title I want on it. You know, when 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 Dean Pease in his first year in his first game, you know, he was listening to our radio show when I talked about having somebody spying Jalen Hurts. Remember when they opened up against Philadelphia in in the first year of the regime, and I mentioned about spying somebody. And then, you know, he's like, oh, he dismissed it all. And then he admitted the following week after the Philly game, he admitted it that they had somebody spying Jalen Hurts. So I'm as much of a co-defensive coordinator as him. Little do the people know you you had a you had a mic. I mean, yeah. you had a mic on and you were you were feeding information well, down and, to everybody. And look, Dean, you know, look, I can't help that Dean can't adjust his radio because that's what he, his excuse was. He can't turn his radio on or off or sideways or up, down, or left, right, or whatever like that. That's why that. he needs the app. He needs somebody working the app for well, him. Well, listen, that would be that would be you, you would you would get steam coming out of his ears uh with all of that kind of stuff. But no, but I mean again, you know, Coda, there's a guy who runs your day. Like, for instance, okay, Dan Quinn, Gus Bradley, those guys were DC in name when they ran the Seahawks defense. That was always Pete Carroll's defense, just like it's always Bill Belichick's defense. So there's an alpha male, and, and I believe Dean Pease was that alpha male, but we don't know what kind of system Ryan Nielsen's going to run. We, we don't really know. We don't really have any body of work to say, okay, that this guy, again, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, and, and I'll give him you know his accolades for – you know, if he was coaching those guys up on their defensive line, they've had some pretty good players. Whether that's drafting, whether that's player development, I mean, look, guys get drafted high, low, whatever like that all the time, but you have to develop some players, and I think he did a good job of that. But what kind of style does he have? How aggressive is he going to be? You know, Dean didn't want to blitz a whole lot. You know, is he a 3-4 guy? Is he a 4-3 guy? I mean, you know, there's a lot of things to sort out with him. But I agree that we needed a little bit splashier higher uh, on the defensive side of the football. A uh, couple of guys, you know, uh, had hit me up or gals or whoever uh, on the uh, uh, Solomon Rose Diamond text line. Uh, Troy Anderson's a guy. I, I expect Troy Anderson, uh, you know, look, he's, an, he's another guy who is going to be all over the field. And, and I, I really do hope that they sign Rashawn Evans again. I hope that they bring him back. I know he's really a Dean Pease guy, um, and he played, even though Arthur was on the offensive side of the football, he was there in Tennessee, you know, under Arthur Arthur Smith. Really hope that they bring, you know, Rashawn Evans back. Um, certainly we'll see if Troy Anderson can make that leap. Um, I saw a couple of people say uh, Drake London. But again, I, and and another name is Kyle Pitts. Well, how again? Y'all bragged to me about Kyle Pitts having a thousand yards in his rookie year, like that was this big accomplishment. Okay, I mean somebody's got to feed him the football. First off, somebody's got to feed him the football, and so maybe that maybe if he's got to make this big leap, maybe that thousand yards wasn't as impressive as uh, anyway. So we'll just we'll leave it at all that. So. When when Micah Parsons or Panay Sewell look good on this anyway, so are are you challenging the unicorn, John Chuckery? Yeah, I mean <laughs> when Michael Pruitt catches as many no, 
he caught twice as many touchdowns as our unicorn, okay? And at that position, you know, the number one thing you got to be is a red zone threat. And when Michael Pruitt doubles your number at that position, okay, anyway. Um, but, you know, we, we, we'll we we'll mix up all of that. But um, anyway. All right, we'll, uh, we'll talk to our friend of the show, Tori McElhaney, as uh, we get into some more Falcons discussion with you here. Trucker hanging out in the Kia Studios on this Friday evening. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Odyssey.com app. It's John Chuckery. Are you sure? Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It is the John Chuckery Show coming to you live on this Friday evening is... Well, we get ready for Falcons offseason. A lot to cover. Uh, Obviously, a lot of money to spend in free agency and obviously the number eight draft pick. And it's going to be a busy, you know, interesting offseason as always for the Falcons. Let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline. Let's talk to our friend of the show, Tori McElhaney. She covers all things Atlanta Falcons for AtlantaFalcons.com. You can follow Tori on her personal Twitter page at Tori underscore McElhaney and check out all of her work at AtlantaFalcons.com. And Tori, as always, appreciate uh, the time and thanks for spending a few minutes with us. Of course. Always happy to come on. So I want to talk to you about the quarterback position, but in a different way. You know, if we let's take the Lamar Jackson, you know, rumor and innuendo out of the discussion of all of this. And and let's say that they kind of decide to press forward with Desmond Ritter. You know, we assume that Marcus Mariota is going to be released. So, you know, when I look at some of the free agent quarterbacks that are available, you typically want a veteran when you've got a young guy at quarterback. But there are a couple of names that I'm interested in, you know, in a Jacoby Brissett or a, a Taylor Heineke, you know, coming back home. But – more than anything is guys who can maybe push Desmond Ritter a little bit and create some competition. And I wonder what kind of route they're going to go. I I would even be of the mindset of drafting a quarterback, maybe not day one or day two, but maybe even day three, a hand in hooker, you know, uh, the kid out of Fresno state. Um, I, I wonder what your thoughts are about what to do with the quarterback position it just doesn't feel like, you know, you can just hand over the reins to Desmond Ritter and have no competition for him. I think you want to stir some of that up a little bit. The whole thing about Desmond Ritter, and, and I'll say this, I wrote quite a bit about Desmond Ritter over the last month and a half, and something that I keep saying when it comes to Desmond Ritter's trajectory in Atlanta is that regardless of what you think that is, you have to bring in viable competition for him to face every single day of the offseason and the preseason coming into the 2023 season. I, I agree with you that you just don't want to hand over the reins of the offense based on these four games. I want to see Desmond Ritter go out in training camp or whatever we see him and go earn a starting, that's 2023 starting quarterback position, and I want to see him earn it 
over, again, viable competition at that position. The Falcons have always had to prioritize the quarterback position going into this offseason. Go out and find someone who's going to push Desmond Ritter, who could be a starter in and of their own right. We saw what Desmond Ritter could do, but with a four-game slate and the progress we saw him make, what what more progress is there for him when you have someone there pushing him? I don't know if that means go out and draft one or go trade for one or pick someone up in free agency. I don't know what that will look like for the Falcons, but you know that they have to go out and do something. So it's not going to surprise me if they make calls to potentially put a trade together. It's not going to surprise me if they talk about, talk about free agents. It's not going to surprise me when they're at pro days at Alabama and Ohio State or wherever looking at quarterbacks because you have to build around Desmond Ritter, and that means that Desmond Ritter is building along with what you're building. I mean, you do all of these things simultaneously. Tori, one of the things that Arthur and Terry talked about um, I think it was after the press conference when, when Matt Ryan was traded, was, you know, we need to be able to sign our own players. We need to be able to have money to sign our own players and, and, and keep guys in-house. And without getting into kind of all the specific players, you know, obviously this roster had a lot of one-year contracts to it. And, you know, McGarry didn't get his fifth-year fifth option picked up, and you're going to extend Lindstrom. But – how I guess how pleased were the Falcons with a lot of the contributions that they got from guys that you know realistically they're going to have to look to re-sign you know the Rashawn Evans and you know guys like that like there's there's a whole mess of those guys that you know that were starters and contributed a lot you know kind of quantify maybe you know in some way you know, how much of those, how many of those guys are just, you know, how, how, uh, what do I want to say, uh, how pleased they were with the progress that some of those guys made in bringing them back? Yeah, I, I think that there is an argument to be made for a lot of these guys that you talk about Rashawn Evans. I think there's an argument to be made about a guy like Elijah Wilkinson, especially if he can remain healthy. I think there's something to be said about even Bradley Pinion, who's the punter. I mean, all of these guys are on one-year deals. Isaiah Oliver, the growth that we've seen him make since carrying his ACL last year. I mean, these are all players that you could make an argument to bring back. And and they're also players that I don't think would be too terribly expensive to bring back. If the Falcons are still looking – at towards the overall health of the cap and not wanting to put themselves in a hole. I mean, if you're going to go out and spend a lot of money in free agency and, and you have your draft class and all that kind of stuff, and you still need positions filled, these guys are, have been, have shown that they are able to do that. So it wouldn't surprise me if we do see a contingency, maybe two, three, maybe even four of these guys who are on short-term deals come back, especially the guys that, would potentially play a role in depth. I mean, that, that goes without saying. Tori McElhaney from AtlantaFalcons.com joining us here in the WadeFord.com hotline. So, you know, we obviously know, I think they have the second most money in the league to spend. How splashy do you think that they're going to be? You know, obviously, look, a lot of guys, you got to fill depth and things like that. But 
do you think that they make a big, splashy signing in free agency, whether it's a Deron Payne, whether it's a Javon Hargrave? I mean, somebody of that ilk that is going to eat up a lot of money and a lot of cap space. Do you think they're going to go down a road like that, that they will make that splashy signing? I do think that there will be a splash player, if not players, that you're talking. I think that for the first time, in the last two years, the Falcons are going to have the opportunity to make a splash signing and to be in the conversation on that very, very first day of free agency. For, for the last two years, the Falcons haven't been in that conversation. They haven't been able to be in that conversation. They have, they've been having to wait to the third wave of free agency in order to do something. That's not going to be the case this offseason. I, I really do think that you're going to see – the Falcons make not just moves, but significant moves, moves that will, yes, it's going to eat up some cap money. Of course it is, but you're going to get the players in that deserve to be paid that portion of the cap. And I, I think that's where you hope you make the right decisions. The Falcons are at a crux right now. This is where they really can do and build what they want to do and build. And so that that it's just such an important off season for where they are, and so I do believe that you're going to see those flash signings. So you know, Jake Matthews signed his extension, and and his cap numbers going to go up. We obviously anticipate that Chris Lindstrom's going to sign. I think he's going to sign a big deal. I think he's going to be one of the higher paid guard interior offensive linemen in in the NFL, and and well deserved. Do you sense that there's anybody else that internally they want to lock up to a deal and, and, and get them under a longer-term contract? You know, besides, you know, Lindstrom, you know, that's the obvious one. But, you know, do you see anybody else that, you know, is is a candidate for being locked up long-term and, and going to see a big increase? Yeah, A.J. Terrell. I think that, yes, he's still on his rookie contract, and I know everybody's like, oh, he's a rookie, blah, 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 you don't want to mess with that, blah, blah, blah. Well, here's the thing. A.J. Terrell is a guy who's not going to get any cheaper. So you need to figure out a way to keep A.J. Terrell in Atlanta because A.J. Terrell is, I still believe, one of the, if not the best, young corners in the league, period. And I, I think that what he does when he's on the field is – important to anything they want to do defensively so AJ Terrell I feel like has to be at the top of that list you have of course Chris Lindstrom but I I have to think that you have to be talking about keeping AJ Terrell here longer than his rookie contract yeah and you know Tori to your point um, you know you can you can sign those guys after their third year but the way the you know the way the fifth year option you know starts to creep itself up is, you know, it's probably more viable financially to lock a guy like that up versus playing him on his fifth year. I mean, you know, like, for instance, I, I saw a story that said the, you know, the Falcons could use the franchise tag on a Caleb McGarry, and that number's like $18 million, and it's like, mm. you know, I, I like McGarry, but I don't like him for $18 million, so. Right. Um, you know, when Especially you- when you're already hypothetically paying Chris Lindstrom, a right. large portion of your cap, and you already have a lot of money going to Jake Matthews as well. How much money are you willing to pump into one position group? So, you know, you and I have talked about Caleb McGarry, and, and we both think that he is deserving of a new deal. 
But I, I yes. do wonder, you know, if this is a shorter term deal, if it looks to be a longer term deal, because, you know, he did he did a I mean, he had his best season as a pro and, and he did some really good things in the running game. But he still grades yeah. out, you know, as a kind of middle of the road or a little bit below pass protector. And and that's his biggest thing is is pass protection. Do you think that they look at McGarry as a real long-term solution to their right tackle spot or maybe on still like a two-year type of show-me deal uh, and see if he can continue this growth pattern that he's had? Yeah, I kind of lean more towards the latter. Like you look at the years that he's had in Atlanta, and this this year has been above and beyond, I think, what – I'll be honest, what I expected from him and also I think what a lot of other people expected from him too. I think that this year was so important for Caleb McGarry to show like, yes, I deserve a good contract, a good extension, whatever that looks like. I am growing and I am getting better and my trajectory is trending upwards. So if that's the case, you have one year that you've done that. So I would, if I'm a decision maker, I'm like, look, we need to see more. For you to get to the point of the upper echelons of tackles in <laughs> in the league, we need to see more of what we saw from you this year. And so I think that does – if it's with the Falcons, so be it. If it's not with the Falcons, I think that that's kind of where Caleb McGarry may find himself this offseason. I'll be interested to see, though. I mean, good tackles, especially a guy who did so well in run blocking this year, and he's had some pretty significant run blocking grades over the last couple of years in fact and so I'll be really interested to see if he does hit the open market what he goes for because I think I don't know I I, I tend I kind of I don't have a good grasp on it right now to be like oh like this is exactly how much Caleb McGarry is going to go for and the Falcons could offer him this and be able to keep him I'm not at that point yet last question Tori with you know senior bowl starting up next week and some of these you know, postseason, you know, evaluation, you know, camps and bowl games and stuff like that. How quickly, I mean, more than more than the name, I mean, that that's going to be, you know, having the title of D.C., but how quickly do you think that they are ready to make an announcement for the next defensive coordinator? Quickly. I think that they probably want to get everything done before you really get into the whole I mean, you think about it, the, co- the Falcons coaching staff is going to be in Vegas at the Shrine Bowl. You have scouts and, and other coaches that are – or one other coach. We know Charles London's going to be at the Senior Bowl. You have guys everywhere. You need to know who that defensive coordinator is so that you can start prepping and planning and getting, to, getting together a group that you feel like you can work with. So I think that it will definitely happen sooner rather than later. Very, very sooner rather than later can follow her on our Twitter page at Tori underscore McElhaney. She'll have all of your Falcons news here in the offseason, draft, senior bowl, everything available to you. And uh, she writes and covers the Falcons for AtlantaFalcons.com and join me on the WadeFord.com hotline. Tori, is always appreciate it. We'll be talking through the offseason and, uh, you know, it's going to be busy. And uh, uh, this is finally a year where we're going to have probably a little bit of fun to see some money being spent. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, this is the year that I think we've all been waiting for. John Chuckery will be back. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey.com app.